Now, The Interpreter Show, with discussion, debate, and the latest information on all kinds of religious issues and topics. Good evening, this is Bruce Webster and Chris Fredrickson here with the Interpreter Radio Show, sponsored by the Interpreter Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the scriptures, doctrine, history, and practices of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> anyway, moving, move, moving along, uh, the next topic, and, and, and Chris and I have been kicking this back and forth because it actually encompasses a number of things. I'm going to launch it the way I launched it with Chris, but we have a number of things we'd like to cover. Uh, the foundation here has to do with the proclamation, uh, a proclamation to the world, the family, or the family, a proclamation to the world. I have, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, gotten sucked into a uh, whole set of uh, different videos and so on on YouTube that have to do with uh, the gross dysfunctionality in male-female romance that exists in Western society. Uh, and, you know, on, on one level, it's sort of like, yeah, I know, you know, people are doing this and people are doing that and so on. Uh, and and my, my a sense is the discovery is that things are far worse than I thought. Uh, <coughs> the... Uh, uh, Long and short of it is that you have young men and women who, starting in their 20s, are simply interested in increasing their body count. That is, the number of people they've slept with. They talk about situationships, uh, which are sexual relationships that really don't have any Affection, not even friendship there. No, no. Mm -mm. It's, it's sort of like, hey, you know, let's, let's hook up. <coughs> pure uh, hedonism. It is pure hedonism, and it's, it's sort of like this, yeah, let's see how many people I can sleep with. Uh, it's a defiance. And what, <coughs> what these videos I've been watching have been showing is that this has been proportionally bad for women. Uh, because you have women who then reach their 30s and suddenly they can't get attention because the men, the players, are trying to sleep with younger women or they're trying to marry younger women. And so these, these women who have hit their 30s and 40s, either being single or in, in many cases they actually were married and decided they couldn't tolerate their marriage for whatever reason, uh, anything ranging from actual abuse to I need to go find myself. Uh, and these, these are all videos that these women post talking about it. You know, yes, I'm going on. I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, within months or a couple of years, it's like I really blew it. Uh, I gave up important stuff. And likewise, if they realize that at all, yeah, if they realize it all. But these are the you know, videos I've seen have been women who realize that. And likewise, among the men, you have sort of the top 20 percent whose sole interests are noncommittal sexual relationships uh, as varied as possible. Uh, and then you have 
the men that are not perceived, basically the majority, 70, 80% of the men are not perceived as high value by the single women out there. Therefore, they can't find people to date and they're turning to pornography. They're turning to, I just saw a post uh, and this is something I'd passed on to Chris, a, a Twitter post of a company that's developing new technology with an AI avatar, <laughs> cute cartoon style female that they can interact with that will actually interact with them in real time. We'll converse with them in real time. <clears throat> uh, we'll have different characteristics and it was quite clear from the thing that the dialogue can, can get very suggestive. Mm -hmm. I suspect the images can too. Mm -hmm. Uh, or, well, you have, yeah. or you have American men who are actually traveling to other countries, places mm -hmm. like Southeast Asia, South America, and so on, to find, quote-unquote, more traditional women who actually do want to marry them. So you've, you've got this tremendous dysfunction. And what struck me as I was watching these is that we focus, and, and rightly so, we, we focus on, I'll simply call it the family proclamation, more in terms of uh, gender roles and heterosexual marriage. <coughs> but I think, I think one of the reasons why the Lord revealed this and had, had the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve issue it back in 1995 is that our own young men and women need this direction to avoid falling into what the world is going through. They need to understand the roles in the family, what makes for a happy family, uh, what they can aspire to, and I've, I've <clears throat> I, I, I mean, I know in some respects I, I sound like I'm stating the obvious, but I, I, I had a tremendous realization of how important it is for our rising generation to understand the proclamation, mm -hmm. to understand the guidelines and the strength of youth, and mm -hmm. to understand the absolute necessity to pursue traditional marriage uh, as outlined there, you know, with, with all the exceptions we know about and talk about, uh, and, and Chris and I have already, you know, we, we, we know full well, and in my case from personal experience, about how wretched it is for single LDS women after the age of 30. Uh, but the absolute need for this because, frankly, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Chris. <laughs> nice, nice, nice yes. handoff there. Um, 1995, proclamation on the a proclamation to the world on the family. Ho hum. That was that was sort of. I read it. I was like, yeah, okay. We were pretty much aligned with the rest of the American study during that period of time, and so this was to me was like, okay, that's nice, and I guess it's good. And and so for me the stunner is where we came from, well less than thirty years ago to where we are today, and the kind of horrors that we're seeing in the world around us, the kind of abuse that's taking place, engagement with pornography, engagement in human trafficking, um, um, the. Um, uh, the failure for individuals to be able to distinguish lust from love and the conflation of lust with love. So they think a lustful engagement is love. It's as far from love as anything can possibly de be. 
Uh, one of the things that Bruce mentioned was he talked about, you know, these young men in their 20s, they'll turn to porn. Unfortunately, most young men's engagement with porn begins heading into their teenage years, or before their teenage years. So a lot of individuals, and young women, are getting more and more into porn as well. It, it takes on sort of different characteristics. Women's is kind of romantic pornography. Men's is just hardcore pornography. Um, but um, their engagement with pornography makes relationships with the opposite sex, marital relationships with the opposite sex, makes it very difficult because it's a fantasy world that they're engaging with. And when you engage with that fantasy world, Nothing can ever really come up to that fantasy when you do enter into a marital relationship. And for the spouse that you're engaging with, they, they're never going to satisfy you. This is just some of the horrors that we're seeing. We're seeing, I, I saw, you know, I've seen stories the last little while that just shocked me. Um, a, a video that was passed around in gay circles among gay men that got out to the public of it young staffers engaging men, two men engaging in sexual relationships in the chambers of the, uh, in, the cha in congressional chambers. Um, uh, a, um, you know, Republican na na uh, ch chairman in Florida, he and his wife denying that he was sexually, um, that he had sexually assaulted a woman because they both said, oh, no, 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 no. It was an agreement between the three of us to engage together. There, people are coming out and they are proudly displaying what we might categorize as deviant behavior in the eyes of God. In fact, we would characterize it that way. So the Proclamation on the Family is a document that we should spend a lot of time studying and sharing with others. But we have to do it. We have to frame it within the plan of salvation. I remember President uh, Elder Bednar, excuse me, uh, talking about, um, I want to talk to you about our stand on chastity, but you can't understand it if you don't understand the plan of salvation. You can't understand the proclamation unless you understand the plan of salvation. But it talks here about mutual respect. It talks, it indicates what love is. You know, Spencer W. Kimball, I think one of the things that helped me stay on the path to being sexually, you know, chased before marriage was um, Love Versus Lust by Spencer W. Kimball. And then Boyd K. Packer, Why Stay Morally Clean. I'd recommend those to anyone today. But the world has lost any connection or understanding of, you know, so many values that are imperative and important. They're imperative to God, but they're important for us if we want to find the kind of peace and joy that is possible in this life. And that's bound up in family life. And you see so many people today that have no interest in marrying. They have no interest whatsoever in having children. We see so many people that are engaged in pornography. Uh, in, in, in Germany, I, I read an article about a couple in Germany where the wife was standing on the curb. The man had got in, gone inside to, and I'll use this word as a code word, to consort with a life-size dummy, um, but that wasn't, that wasn't adultery. 
And these are the kinds of things that we are seeing more and more. And we see people that are, you know, good is evil and evil is good. We mock people that are chaste and virtuous. And yet we valorize people that are engaged in behavior that distances, significantly distances them from God. I might even say that the great sin of our generation is sexual immorality in many respects. Sexual immorality inclines people to gross selfishness where it's all about me and it's all about satiating my lust and sometimes and often at the expense of others. <clears throat> and this is not a road that we should go down. And in the work that I do and the writing that I do on human trafficking, I'll just give you a terrifying statistic. Over 30% of hits now on porn sites are child pornography. Over 30%. Are we seeing the rise in child pornography? Are we seeing the rise in child abuse, sexual abuse? We certainly are. Are we seeing human trafficking on a scale we have never seen it before? And particularly the trafficking of children into sexual servitude? I mean, people can buy it, you know, if you want to go to Cambodia, if you want to go to Phuket, you can get a travel package that includes what kind of an individual that you want there to serve your sexual purposes. It's all built in, and it's all paid for before you even make the trip. And this is troubling, and this is heart-wrenching to our Father in Heaven, and it certainly is heart-wrenching to people that have a keen sense and understanding that it's implicit that we love our fellow human beings, not that we prey upon them, not that we take advantage of them, not that we use them for our purposes, but we're here to love and serve our fellow human beings. And yet we've gone into this mad, crazy, you know, spiraling downward and downward, and a degeneration and a regression among humankind, where, you know, I read an article again the other day of a woman in midday in a train full of individuals where she was raped by a man. No one stepped forward to protect that woman in New York City on the subway. These are things that beggar the imagination, that beggared the imagination in 1995. But as people turn further and further away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they're going to write their own ticket as to, you know, we hear all the time, you know, you've got to find your own truth. Well, there's only one truth, and it's God's truth but they want to write their own ticket as to what is right and what is wrong. And as we become more self-obsessed and more self-serving, then the idea of harming fellow human beings, as long as it serves our purposes, it's okay to do. Something that struck me, uh, Sandra and I have been doing our, recently restarted the Book of Mormon for our nightly <coughs> scripture study and prayer and went through Nephi's prophecies in 1st Nephi 13 and so on, talking about the great and abominable church. Now the word, that Hebrew word that Nephi almost certainly used there was assembly, uh, which is the Hebrew word that gets translated as ecclesia in the Septuagint. <clears throat> and so we, rather than think about our notion of a church, he was thinking in terms of those who assemble, you know, you have the assembly of Israel around the tabernacle, and then you have the great and abominable assembly uh, that the devil organizes, that people worship there. And I was struck by the thought when he's talking about how it runs, what it does, that it's based on gold and silver, silks and scarlets, linen, all manner of precious clothing, harlots, uh, praise of the world, and so on, that it is almost an anti, or it is a, uh, that's what I'm looking for, 
uh, a negative endowment uh, you have for the, for the great and abominable assembly. A counter, yeah. You have a counter, a counter endowment. Mm -hmm. You have a counter set of here are the covenants you make. Here are the things you commit to do. Uh, and that, that I think this ties directly in where <coughs> Nephi says there are but two assemblies, the assembly, the great and abominable assembly, or the assembly of the devil, and the assembly of the Lamb of God. We know what the endowment and covenants are for the assembly of the Lamb. There are a negative set of covenants and uh, promises or things that you accept or agree to do uh, for the assembly of the devil, and those are the two paths before us. He nibbly likes to talk about the, the concept of there are the two ways, the way that leads to God and the way that leads to Satan. Uh, this is a theme that's pervasive throughout all the Book of Mormon, and <clears throat> it's, again, my, my favorite chapter in all the scriptures is Second Nephi 2, and that's exactly what Lehi is talking about. He says, here's how we came to be here, and we have two paths we can choose, uh, that we can, you know, choose to, to uh, uh, well, it's, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I don't have my physical scripture, so I'm having to thumb real quick here. All right. Uh, we, have, we have the two ways that are set forth there in 2 Nephi 2, where the Lord says, da, 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 I'm almost there, I'm almost there, sorry about this. Should have been prepared, but this is thought that just struck me. <clears throat> where he talks about the fact that there must be an opposition. We have all this. Uh, we have, you know, the choice between good and evil. We have the day of probation. Uh, and then he says, I'm sorry, my, my app is going nuts. Okay. We'll ignore that for right now. Uh, hang on a second here. Chris, say something while I'm floundering here. I will. I, I will. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read a little bit from the proclamation on the world just so Thank that you. we can Thank see you. what the Lord would have us understand, what eternal truths are. So the first thing right here. Now notice this, all human beings, male and female. Okay. And you could maybe say male or female. That's what the human race is made up of. It's made of males and females created in the image of God. So there's one of those, you know, sword in the sands that our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. The second thing that he says, well, he says a number of things, but another thing that really jumps off the page at me, and when we talk about marriage and family and children, so many people spurn these days, is that he says the first commandment God gave to Adam and Eve, the first commandment he gave to Adam and Eve pertain to their potential for parenthood as husband and wife, man and woman in marriage. The first commandment he gave them was God's commandment for his children to multiply and replenish the earth, and that remains in force today. We further declare that God has commanded that the sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between ma man and woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife. 
You can see how the world has turned all of these things on their head. I'll turn it back to Bruce, and then I'll go yeah, on to some other things. Yeah, sorry about that. My, my, the app I was using to look at uh, Book of Mormon suddenly <coughs> went crazy. This is 2 Nephi 2. I, I could quote the whole chapter, but I'll, I'll go right to verse, 20, or verse 26 and 27. And the Messiah cometh in the fullness of times that he may redeem the children of men from the fall. And because that they are redeemed from the fall, they have become free forever, knowing good from evil, to act for themselves and not to be acted upon, save it be by the punishment of the law at the great and last day, according to the commandments which God hath given. Wherefore, men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. This, this is the great <coughs> divide of our time. Uh, and like I said, I, I, <clears throat> I did not fully appreciate how bad things have gotten for the world at large, at least here within Western society. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, the, the level of decline that has occurred. Uh, in our society. In our, yeah. in our society. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and you know, it's not yeah. just our society, it's yeah. worldwide. I mean, we're seeing this in, you know, in, in, in yeah. we're seeing this the world over. Okay, here's another one. Uh, we declare the means by which mortal life is created to be divinely appointed. We affirm the sanctity of life and of its importance in God's eternal plan. I can't tell you how many faithful women in the church today that I've engaged in this discussion with support a woman's right to abortion. and even really infanticide, because in the state of New York, you can expose a child at birth and let it die on the table. If this is an abortion, the child is born alive, you can set the child on the table, you cannot be under, under state law, you cannot be charged with any kind of crime, and you can let the child be exposed until they die. Okay, that's the world we're living in today. Here's the Lord affirming again, the sanctity of life and of its importance in God's eternal plan. Husbands and wife have a solemn husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Uh, after Turkey, I flew to London, where my sister is a missionary, and I don't want to go specifically into detail. But while I was there, I learned um, of a case that completely blew up the social services, what we would call social services courts in um, in England. And it was about a young, it was about a 17-year-old uh, boy, boy child, infant, boy infant. And he had been to the hospital and to the doctors over 25 or 30 times until finally he was found dead at home. Uh, bones were broken, ears had been chewed off by dogs. He'd been hit so hard one time that a that a tooth went through his gum and up into his brain. His, his arms and his legs had been broken. He'd been to the doctors two years before, just two years before, two days, excuse me, two days previous to that, and they had released him back to the parents. And you can imagine, and, and I, I know of it because it, it relates to an individual my sister knows. How someone can do that to a 
child is almost incomprehensible to someone who loves the Savior Jesus Christ and understands his care and concern for little, concern for little children. And yet, in, in southern Florida, well, in England, in this particular county, I can't remember if it was, but it was a huge number of individuals where social services are intervening in all of these people's lives. They can't manage their own lives. The brutality that they are expressing against other human beings is, is just out of control. And it's oftentimes cohabitation. Uh, one of the reasons, actually, that oftentimes the new horizon in the world that we live in today, the big push today is to normalize pedophilia. They've normalized so many other things. The new push is to normalize pedophilia. How do you do that? You, you introduce children to the notion or idea that they are sexual beings. You let individuals in drag gyrate in front of your young children and act in a sexual, sexually provocative manner in front of your children. You introduce them to literature that should not be introduced to children. They don't have the emotional, they don't have the mental capacity to embrace these things, to understand how venal and horrible they are. You're trying to normalize aberrant behavior in the minds of children, which makes it so much easier for young children to be preyed upon by pedophiles. Pedophiles today, they'll take up with women. They're not interested necessarily in the woman she may be, you know, the chunk, the, you know, she may be the icing on the cake, but they're interested in their ch the children. I, I remember a teacher way back when we lived in California some 30 years ago telling me that she had um, um, picked up a little girl walking to school that was in her class and was taking her to class. And, oh, no, no, here's what happened. She was walking out of the parking lot into the school when a little girl pulled up in the car with a man that she didn't know. She knew the mother was divorced. She said to her, oh, is, is that your, your dad? Is that Who's that? And she said, no, no, that's the man that spent the night with my mother last night. All right. Do you see the way that we're exposing children? Our job, our duty, and our responsibility as parents, in fact, our responsibility as human beings is exactly what the Lord says here. Our responsibility is to love and care for each other and to protect and provide for our children. And our first line of defense has to be spiritually protecting our children. Quote, children are an heritage of the Lord. Parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, to teach them to love and serve one another, to observe the commandments of God, and to be law-abiding citizens wherever they live. Husbands and wives and people that cohabitate will be held accountable before God for the discharge of these obligations. And yet, in so many places in the world today, people just coexist in a household. They don't even really interact with one another. Parents don't interact with their children. Children don't interact with their parents. That's much of what's happening, and that's much of the problem you know, that leads to the problems that we're seeing in the world today. The family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and woman is essential to his plan. Are we surprised at all that one of Satan's pointed, you know, pointed lines of attack is against the family and against chastity and virtue? And we could go on and on, but I'm, I'm going to turn it back over to Bruce. Well, I was just going to, <clears throat> because I know there are those within the church who try to dismiss or downplay the proclamation. Uh, and uh, President Dallin H. Oaks in general conference just this past October 
made it very clear this is not something, this is doctrinal, this is not a policy. He said, and I quote, a uniquely valuable teaching to help us prepare for exaltation is the 1995 Proclamation on the Family. Its declarations clarify the requirements that prepare us to live with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Those who do not fully understand the Father's loving plan for His children may consider this family proclamation no more than a changeable statement of policy. In contrast, we affirm, and he's speaking for the First Presidency, we affirm that the family proclamation founded on irrevocable doctrine defines the mortal family relationship where the most important part of our eternal development can occur. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't mean to sound like an old fogey, but boy, things, things are getting really bad changed. out there. Yeah. Uh, they're getting bad on all levels, and there's just a, a continual... Uh, Defining deviancy downward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, stuff, stuff that would have been deviant, you know. And shameful. And shameful yeah. is now shameless. In fact, they flout it. Yeah. They flout these things. And, and you know, it's heartbreaking to our Father in Heaven, and, and it's heartbreaking to us. We want, you know, in the church, we, as disciples, if we claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we want the best for everyone. We want children to be protected. We want them to be raised in homes where they're loved. I don't pretend to be a perfect parent. I wasn't a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination. It's a sharp learning curve to be a parent. <laughs> but um, I love my children, and I love them fiercely. And you know what else is interesting in the proclamation? There's really only one time where we really focus on gender. But this is what it says here. It said um, that by divine design, fathers are to preside over their families in love and righteousness and are responsible to provide the necessities of life and protection for their families and then for mothers. And I want mothers, I wish every mother could memorize this line and understand what their primary role and focus needs to be in this life. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their, of their children. That's our primary responsibility. We can do all kinds of other things, and we do and we should, but primarily focused on nurturing our children, protecting and nurturing and teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with a quote from Moroni 9. It keeps coming to mind. This is Mormon writing to his son Moroni. Uh, now, he was, he was in the middle of a civilization-ending battle, but... Uh, there are words that will sober us. He says, Oh, my beloved son, how can a people like this that are without civilization, and only a few years have passed away, and they were a civil and delightsome people, but, oh, my son, how can a people like this, whose delight is in so much abomination, how can we expect God that God will stay his hand in judgment against us? Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly the situation we are facing increasingly in today's society. And... Uh, and on a high note, yes. the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the solution to the problems of the world. And we can change, and we can make changes, and we can improve this world that we live in as we adhere to the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can do good in the world, and so can others. And that brings us to an end. Uh, this uh, this week's Interpreter Radio Show. Tune in again next Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, for Chris Fredrickson, myself, Bruce Webster, 
We thank you for being here. 